welcome to Braced and Confused. I'm Caitlin, and episode 5 stars my mom, Kathy. Together, we talk about pierogi, the Polish pockets of joy that have been ever-present in my life. This episode has the perfect blend of facts and anecdotes, and it'll also make you very, very hungry for a buttery pan-fried pierog, which I had right before recording this intro. Pray to St. Hyacinth, and perhaps he'll deliver for you. Before we tuck in, a food scrap. Let's talk about Majiricophobia, the fear of cooking. Most often, this phobia stems from social anxiety or PTSD from previous bad cooking experiences. People with Majiricophobia can be afraid of cooking or of spreading illness with their cooking. They can be afraid of recipes. They can be afraid of what they know about food or don't know about food. Um, they can also be afraid of eating food, which is awful. So in short, it's a pretty traumatic stress disorder centered all around food. Um, when I read about this, I thought about that feeling you get when you go to flip a pancake, but you realize it's stuck to the pan and that there's no way to recover it. It's just going to burn on that pan and you're going to have to start all over. Um, I also, relevantly, get this feeling of dread and panic when I'm frying up pierogies without enough butter. So now, onto pierogies. A highly reputable blog called Grandma's Pierogies says of pierogies, they are food for all, bringing people together for any occasion and catering to any taste. Grandma is right. I've never met someone who didn't like pierogi, or if I have, I've blocked them out of my mind because, I mean, they can't be human. Here to present pierogi is an expert in Polishness, my mom, Kathy. All right, Mom, thank you for coming on and talking about one of my all-time favorite foods, the pierogi. It's my pleasure because pierogi happens to be one of my all-time favorites as well. Great. All right, so let's start at the beginning. What is a pierogi? Well, if you go right back to the Polish language, which is probably a good place to go, uh, <laughs> pierogi is the plural form of the word pierog. All you're doing is taking the I off the word. Mm-hmm. Pirog means filled dumpling. So All it's right. a very simple translation, filled dumpling. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what's, you know, what are they filled with? What is it? And where did these, you know, start coming from? Well, the pirogi is filled with uh, whatever was on hand because that is uh, what the Polish people um who were who lived in many cases who lived very close to the land that's what all they had they had their root vegetables potatoes onions cabbage which they made into sauerkraut uh sour cream because they tended to keep cows if they were living on a farm and many people mm-hmm. did or uh, had a had a cow <laughs> interesting <laughs> to think of that but every family has a cow yeah. uh, and i don't know if that's accurate but I, I like to think of it that way. Um, right. So whatever they could use it to fill the, the dumpling with is what uh, we now know as pierogi. Certainly it changed with seasons in the summertime, mm-hmm. spring and summer, you had more of the fruits that could be um, used as the filling. Yep. And it was also because it was the food of people who lived so close to the land, uh, mm-hmm. It was a food that could feed many people. 
So you had a large family or you had a an extended family living in your household. This was a food that could be made and it was nutritious and filling for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's traditionally been known as a peasant food. Um, and also when people brought that food here to the United States after World War II, if you thought about uh, if you mentioned a pedagogy to somebody who who actually came from Poland, you know, mm-hmm. post World War II, they would also refer to it as uh, I heard this phrase and I really love it: a clean out the refrigerator food, because <laughs> you know now you have people who are not living on farms, but they do yeah. have leftovers in their refrigerator, and they need to uh, make a food that is is traditional to their culture, but it also feeds a lot of people. So take those big bowl of leftover potatoes and do something with them. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, now pedagogy are, are known, especially, you know, across the world, but in, in America as a Polish food, but it's not necessarily known as Polish cuisine because it's exquisite or um, because it has, you know, high class to it or something like that. It's, it's more that it's a representation of the Polish culture. Uh, you mentioned the seasonality that they're they're filled with different things depending on what people had on hand, and that you know you have your your spring and summer pierogi, which are more sweet, filled with fruits. Um, I, I am most familiar with the winter pierogi because that's you know what we mostly eat, and I think that's mostly what people find. You know, like Mrs. T's and brands like that that are Americanized pierogi. Those are generally these winter versions with potatoes, cheese, um, the cabbage or sauerkraut, mushrooms, onions. Um, right. That's because that's what people had to work with in the winter um, in Poland. And and those have been um, in our family and traditionally kind of wrapped into this, the Valia, which is the Christmas Eve traditional dinner. Um, that's right. So let's talk a little bit about the Valia. Sure. Uh, well, this this ties into the fact that many folks uh, who came from Poland, who immigrated from Poland, were also mm-hmm. of the Catholic faith. So they mm-hmm. brought that those Catholic traditions with them. One of the Polish Catholic traditions is this Valia, which it translates to the vigil, the, vi- the mm-hmm. Christmas Eve vigil dinner. Uh, because it is a holy day, it's a holy time, uh, it is a meatless dinner, it's a time of fasting. But the fasting is this huge table <laughs> of <laughs> meatless food. Um, and of course, the pierogi had to enter into that because going back to its roots, it is a food that can be made to feed a lot of people, an extended family. Uh, Polish Catholic tradition, Polish tradition is to, is very, is centered around hospitality. So certainly on these holidays, you bring many people to your home, you celebrate together. And if you're truly following the Catholic tr- Polish Catholic tradition of Valia, you are mm-hmm. also setting an extra plate because you are expecting the stranger to show up at your right. at your dinner. So you need an extra pedagogy for that person, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> whoever that may be. Yes. Um, so the Valia, so the pedagogy did become associated with the Valia dinner. And of course, that happens in December. So you're looking at the uh, the potato filled, potato and onion, cabbage, mushroom filled, uh, all of those root vegetables that people had on hand uh, to make their Valia dinner. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's, as I was saying, my main association with pierogi because our family does that every year and has done that every year my whole life. And um, the same for you, that came from, you know, you and dad both had that tradition um, of doing the Valia your whole childhood um, because it was such an important tradition for Polish American families after World War II. That's right. Um, and that is when I think of my childhood Vilias, um, it's, it's almost a visceral experience mm -hmm. because I, I see myself sitting there watching my mother and her siblings who were first generation uh, Polish Americans and they would be baking the pierogi in our kitchen. And I know that they were still uh, corresponding with their cousins who mm -hmm. were still living in Poland. My grandmother uh, communicated with her siblings and then passed on those communications to her children, my mm -hmm. mother and her siblings. And after World War II, of course, they went, the Polish people went from German rule to uh, communist rule. Mm -hmm. And so many of their important heritage uh, was being suppressed at the time. And mm -hmm. I, I really, this is my opinion, but I feel that it's my, my mother and her siblings, uh, they almost felt a duty, a responsibility mm -hmm. to carry on the heritage that they felt was being white, had, had, there were so many attempts to wipe it out that this was so important for them to keep that, you know, keep those candle burning, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I would be watching them making these wonderful pedagogy and, of course, mm. not knowing all of this wonderful history behind it, but just wanting to eat them. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and when I did, they tasted wonderful and uh, that that is the taste of pedagogy that I remember. But it was so important for, for them to keep that tradition going and the Valia dinner going. Yeah. Yeah. And we've actually started in the last few years um, doing a similar, you know, assembly line sort of production um, on Christmas Eve or the day before making our own pierogi. But I don't, I don't know if we're quite as effective as they are yet, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. So let's talk uh, pierogies throughout history. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yes. uh, what, who is sort of the, uh, I don't know necessarily who invented them, but who brought them into Polish culture? Well, if you do look up the, you know, I, I did a very shallow search, a Google search of, of pedagogies. I also referenced um, a few cookbooks, which I have here, oh, Polish okay. cookbooks, one of which was published in 1948. So it was almost a, it was again, in their preface, they say, we're publishing this book as a, a tribute to our mm -hmm. ancestors, to our families who have lost so much, who are still living in Poland. We yeah. want to keep those traditions alive here in the United States. So I thought that was kind of interesting to read that yeah. preface in a cookbook, you know, of, of how to make all these wonderful Polish dishes. But in that cookbook, uh, they were saying that there were two possible uh, origins of the pierogi. And you'll mm -hmm. see these on quick Google searches as well. One of them is that uh, that it came from Marco Polo, who, of mm -hmm. course, lived in the 13th, early 14th centuries. And it, he traveled to China and mm -hmm. then he traveled through Italy and then he came to Poland. Well, as he was doing these travels, he was picking up the culinary, I guess, traditions of the different 
countries. Mm-hmm. And he brought something like the pita, the filled dumpling to mm-hmm. Poland. And so if you think about it, you know, China has dumplings. We think of China, the dumplings. And then in Italy, we have ravioli. Very similar. All filled mm-hmm. dumplings serve the same purpose. Uh, yep. Whatever you have on hand, fill a dumpling, eat, fill a uh, feeds a lot of people. So that's one story. The other story, and I love this one, is about, uh, again, Polish Catholic tradition, St. Hyacinth, who Mm -hmm. was a Polish saint. And here's a fun fact. He is the patron saint of Piragi. So what a guy that's he's, you know, if you need, (laughs) if you're hungry, Pray to St. Hyacinth. <laughs> yes. Every day I pray to him to bring me pierogi. Um, but they say that uh, he lived about the same time, 13th mm-hmm. century. And he visited, one of the stories is that he visited this little village of Kosielek in mm-hmm. Poland. And the reference is 1238, if you're taking notes. Um, <laughs> and uh, don't know the exact date. But he was there and in the village of Koshelik, uh was visited by this huge storm. And before the storm hit, St. Hyacinth said, you know, pray so that your crops, even if they are destroyed, that they will return to you. So mm-hmm. uh, the storm came through, wiped out all the crops, the people prayed. And the next day, miraculously, and I guess that was his miracle because mm-hmm. he is a saint, Yes. Uh, uh, the crops all came back. So yeah. the pirogi became a sign of their gratitude to him because they took everything oh. from their crops and created pirogi. And every time they served it, it was in his name, in St. Right. Hyacinth's name. Okay. Uh, he has another little miracle, uh, miracle story as well, uh, that when the Tartars uh, invaded Poland, Mm-hmm. Uh, that he sheltered people and he fed them pirogi to keep them alive. So I don't know if either of those stories is true, but that is his legacy in Poland. Great. I love that. That warrants further research. And perhaps when I'm yeah. retired, I will further research it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, so I did a little modern research uh, looking at sort of the use of the word pirogi in the English language and in, in U.S. literature. There's a great, um, I think I've referenced this before, there's a great tracker on Google where it'll tell you um, in the last you know, 200 years, basically the, the evolution of a word. And so I looked up pirogi and it basically, one of the first references in the United States, I think there was a tiny spike in the 1860s or something. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but then it went back down to zero until about 1910. And then it started to rise steadily. And around the 1970s, it really shot up. Um, And that kind of corresponded with some of the research you were doing. That's right. It was actually actually the um, 1928. So it was the year Mm -hmm. before the the actual stock market crash. But there was a Martin House Tavern, Martin, M-A-R-T-O-N, Martin House Tavern in Cleveland. And that is the first documented sale of a pierogi in the United States. And interestingly enough, and I don't know Martin's, Andrew Martin's heritage, but mm-hmm. uh, during the Depression, he was known to feed those steel workers who were unemployed in the area. He fed mm-hmm. them pierogi to 
sustain them throughout that time. It's great. He's like the modern St. Hyacinth. Exactly. So the other thing I found was that uh, to, to look at sort of the Americanization of pierogi, which started in around, probably around 1952, which is when Mrs. T's, which is the brand anybody anywhere can find in their freezer section. Um, yes. That's when Mrs. T's pierogies started. And it was a company, um, they started in the Shenandoah Valley in Pennsylvania. And if you believe their website, it says that it started as five women, including the mother of the businessman who sort of grew the business, Mrs. T. Um, five women making pierogies and selling them to local stores. So just like their neighborhood markets. Exactly. I was going to say that's very similar to um, our family's experience as well, that there was mm-hmm. a, there is, it still exists today, a market mm-hmm. um, in Utica, New York, that mm-hmm. sells pierogi. And that's our go-to if we're in that area, that is our go-to market. Um, and yep. it is made by women who, uh, if you walk in, they will sometimes first speak to you in Polish. And then when they realize that I <laughs> If I tried to order in Polish, I'd probably be ordering something like a basket full of chicken eggs, please, <laughs> rather than pierogies. So then they speak to you in English. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is um, the Pulaski market in Utica. And that's, you know, I was, I posed the question here, the best pierogi you ever ate. And that for me is the best pierogi I've ever had. Um, yes. And I have a strange memory of, uh, obviously the best ones are their classics, the potato and cheese. They have a little pepper in them. They're incredible. But I have a memory of sometime in, you know, the early 2000s, we went there and being like a preteen, I, I just wanted weird stuff. And they were selling, <laughs> they were selling a pizza pierogi, um, mm-hmm. which I will say pierogi instead of pierogi, because this is a very American but it was filled with tomato sauce cheese and pepperoni um and Mm. shockingly it was delicious but i now it feels like a bastardization of of the art (laughs) of pierogi but um for a 12 year old it was really good i think that that just about covers uh all the good pierogi stuff thank you so much for chatting pierogi and uh, giving us all this very fascinating history It was, again, my pleasure and always nice to keep that history alive. Yes, absolutely. Thank you to my mom for teaching me how to make pierogi. Thank you to St. Hyacinth, the patron saint of pierogi, for having the raddest patronage. And thank you to both of my grandmas, the prolific pierogi makers, Eleanor and Sophia, who helped keep this delicious tradition alive. Thank you.